0: Turn them with me to Luke Chapter Number One. Bring our lights up, guys. Two weeks ago, I went over to uh, Fulton, Mississippi and went to walmart so that uh i could pick up a few things that we thank you honey that we needed around the house and i'd gathered everything up and was standing in the checkout line waiting to check out and uh there was two ladies standing in front of me that looked an awful lot alike and so i'm going to assume this morning that they were probably either sisters or cousins Something They looked to be in the same family anyway. And I couldn't help but overhear what they were saying. And they were talking about what their favorite holiday was. And the lady that was closest to me, she looked over at the other lady and she said, I just love Christmas. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. It's my favorite holiday. And the lady that was with her, I could tell that statement somewhat aggravated her. And, uh, and I knew that because she did something that most women do. And maybe I shouldn't say most, maybe I, I shouldn't make that blanket, blanket statement that most women do this. Let me say that the women I know in my life do this, all right? And what they do, they have the ability to knock their neck muscles in neutral whenever they need to so that their head can move any way it wants to move. While they're saying something, they really want you to understand. I mean, if they are really kind of irritated or aggravated about something, they'll knock that neck in neutral and they'll let you know it. And that's what she did. She turned around and she said, how can you say Christmas is your favorite holiday? And I was thinking, this woman really don't like Christmas, you know. And she said, if we didn't have Easter, Jesus, that's the way she did it, Jesus wouldn't have rose from the grave. And I was like, hey, pretty good. And so then the Christmas lady looked back at her, and she knocked her neck out of gear. (laughs) And she said, well, if we didn't have Christmas, then Jesus wouldn't have been here to rise from the grave. And by this time, man, I was was enjoying myself, you know, seeing what was going on. And I said, hallelujah, and just busted out laughing. And automatically, both of them looked at me, and I thought, oh, no. (laughs) I said, ladies, I'm going to tell you all something. I love your passion. I like what both of you said. Both of you had fantastic points. But I don't think it would be a good idea for us to get into a hair-pulling match right here in the Walmart checkout line arguing over which is better, Christmas or Easter. And then both of them started laughing. And the, lady, the Christmas lady looked at me and said, Sweetie, we ain't going to pull no hair. We just love to argue. <laughs> and, I said, <laughs> and I said, well, that's a good argument to have. And it is. Really good argument. I like what both of them had to say. And let me tell you something. I, I think they're both right. They're both 100% right. I don't know that it's possible to determine which one um, is of more importance. You really can't. You know, you've got... Christmas where God became a man to do for men what men can't do for themselves. And just like the lady said who loved Easter, she said that if it hadn't been for Easter, he couldn't have uh, rose again from the grave, conquered and defeated the grave so that we too could have victory over death, hell, and the grave. Can you say amen to that? But, but none of that's possible unless God becomes a man. So you can't have Christmas without Easter and you can't have Easter without christmas you really can't now what we want to do in this season is understand the importance of the virgin birth or if we can't understand the importance of the virgin birth then we really have no reason to celebrate a holiday like christmas if you believe it say amen this morning and so the title of my message that i want to preach to you is jesus the son of god and son of man look with me there in luke chapter number one We're going to start in verse number 34, read through verse number 37. I'm going to give you three points, stand up, speak up, shut up, and I'll be done. It's not going to take me long, so you listen fast, I'm going to talk fast. Luke 1.34, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall it be seeing I know not a man? Let's back up to verse 32. I want us to get the whole message. He shall be great, the angel says. He shall be called the Son of the highs. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and for he, of his kingdom there shall be no end. So the angel's telling Mary, you're going to have a son, and all of these things are going to be true concerning him. Then Mary says in verse 34, how shall it be, seeing that I know not a man? And so what she's saying is, I've never been intimate sexually with a man. She was betrothed to her husband Joseph. They were um, actually... Um, Um, engaged, but they weren't married yet. They were waiting on the time where they would uh, be married. And so she said, I've never known a man sexually. How is it possible that I'm going to bear a son? Has anybody ever been with Mary in that statement? Lord, how is this possible? How can This truly be I think all of us have probably been there at one time or another thinking about the virgin birth But listen what the angel says in verse 35 and the angel answered and said unto her the holy ghost shall come upon thee And he and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God if you believe it say amen now watch what else it says, verse 36. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived in her old age. And, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then he says something in verse 37 that we've got to understand verse 37 or you're never going to understand the virgin birth. Listen to what it says. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Do you believe it? What's impossible with men... Is possible with God, and we're going to see how that's possible this morning. All right, let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you again for your truth. Help us to preach it in power, not in my power, Lord, but in yours. Lord, I'm asking that you fill me up, pour me out, and use me. I can do nothing without you, but I realize all things are possible through you. So, Lord, have your way and will this morning, we ask. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The mystery of the virgin birth. What does that mean for us? What does it mean to the world? Well, the idea of the virgin birth is... Far as the world is concerned, is usually a laughing matter. They laugh at it. They scoff at it. And when I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about the world system that is against God and against God's truth. They're always trying to talk down the virgin birth, to make it uh, really something to sneer and, and, and snigger at instead of something that should be believed and, and, and listen, as the foundation of our faith. And, and so the world, uh, their idea of the virgin birth is laughable. Satan hates the idea of the virgin birth. Let me tell you why. Because the virgin birth teaches us that Jesus um, is is certainly a human being. He has humanity. But it also teaches us that Jesus is deity. He's the God-man. He's God in the flesh, coming to do for men what men cannot do for themselves. And so Satan hates the virgin birth, for without the virgin birth, how do you understand? We can't be set free from sin. Without the virgin birth, we can't have eternal life. I want you to understand and know that the virgin birth is not incidental concerning our Christian faith, but fundamental to our Christian faith. It's not optional. The virgin birth is necessary. Many Christians don't know what they believe about the virgin birth, and many professing so-called Christians don't believe in the virgin birth. So this morning, let's clear up what the Bible says concerning the mystery of the virgin birth. Now I heard someone say just this last week, um, talking about the virgin birth, I was watching a program on the History Channel. Watch what you watch on the History Channel. Uh, make sure what you're getting a hold of is truth. But they, they, were, they were talking about the virgin birth and really doing everything they could to cast doubt upon it. That's the world we live in. That's the world system that is against God and against His truth. And one thing that they kept saying is that the virgin birth is a biological, um, bio- how do they put it? A biological uncertainty. that it, There's no way biologically that could ever happen with full assurance. Is really what they were, they were talking about. Let me say something to you folks. I couldn't agree with that more. I really couldn't. It is a biological uncertainty. That's not how biology works. You have to have a man and a woman come together to form a baby uh, through that intimate relationship. And Mary said that had never happened for her. So for a man and by man's ability and by man's knowledge and by man's power, uh, that is a biological impossibility and an uncertainty. No doubt about it. But remember what the angel said. The angel said in verse 37... Listen, this may be impossible with man, but nothing shall be impossible with God. And you're never going to get the truth of the virgin birth unless you understand nothing shall be impossible with God. How is that possible? Let's think about it. Dr. J. Vernon McGee is one of my favorite Bible commentators of all time. Let me tell you what he said concerning the virgin birth. He said, if you can get past Genesis 1-1, you will have no trouble with Luke 1-34-37. So, let's get past Genesis 1-1. What do you say? Everybody look there with me. Genesis chapter 1. Verse number one. Before I get into that, let me make one statement to you. The virgin birth does not depend upon, the truth of it does not depend upon your knowledge or understanding of it. Do you know that? Whether you have knowledge of it or you fully understand it, that does not make it um, untrue or true. It's just true because it is. It's not dependent upon you, and it's not dependent upon me. Truth is just truth. Can you say amen? And the the reason I say that, because a lot of people say, well, if I I don't have knowledge of something, or I don't fully understand something, I'm not going to trust in it. Well, that would be really uh, a lie, because you do it all the time. There's a lot of things you don't understand fully that you trust in. Can, can anybody draw me a schematic? Maybe some can in the building, but can anybody draw me a, a schematic of how the power comes from uh, the, the, the dam where it's created there with, at the water uh, electric power plant and, and, and it runs through the wires and then runs into your home and runs into this building. And Can you draw me a schematic and explain to me how electricity works? Anybody do that? I can't. But you know what? Just because I can't understand it and I don't have full knowledge of it, that doesn't mean I'm going to sit in the dark and not flip the light switch on. I'll trust in it. Let me ask you this. Yesterday we went had the, the opportunity to go to, over to Atlanta and spent some time with brothers and, well, my brothers and sisters in Jesus. Had a great trip over there. And one of the things we did was stop, got us a good steak before we came home. And I was sitting there eating that steak. Man, it was fantastic. Cooked just right. Uh, steak, salad, green beans, enjoyed myself. Let me tell you something, folks. I don't know how that steak helps my body. I can't explain to you fully how that food is broken down um, in in my digestive system and then distributed throughout my body where it's needed at just the right time and how all of that makes me healthy and makes me grow and gives me what I need so I can survive. I can't explain all that to you. I don't have full knowledge of it. I don't have full understanding of it. But guess what? I'm not going to starve to death until I do. And this morning, you may not have, I may not have, really none of us have, full knowledge and understanding of the virgin birth. But I'm not going to remain lost by not believing in it. The virgin birth does not depend upon your understanding of it or your knowledge of it. However, I think there is a long way we can go with the teaching of Scripture that will get us to where we need to be. So how is things that are impossible with man possible with God? Well, like J. Vernon McGee says, if you can get past Genesis 1-1, you'll have no problem with Luke chapter 1, 34 through 37. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So the world we live in, the earth we live in, was created by God, and we have since found out through scientific uh, exploration and and through the the study of a lot of different areas of science that we live in a universe, uh, not just on planet Earth. How many of you know, we know that the universe is made up of matter, space, and time? If you believe that, say amen. Let me tell you what else we know. We know uh, through the study of astronomy and astrology that um, the universe did have a a beginning. There was a time, uh, what's called the point of singularity, where matter, space, and time came into being. It's not eternal. It uh, was not always here. There was a moment that took place where, listen to me now, everything came into being in the universe in which we live in, which is made up of matter, space, and time. Now, let me tell you what I wish we had. I wish we had a book, maybe a book of truth, that could give us understanding on what happened when matter, space, and time came into being. When it was created. Don't you wish we had that? Aren't you glad we do? It's called the book of Genesis. God has told us. How matter. Space. And time. Came into being. In the beginning. God. Created. The heavens and the earth. Amen. Look at verse 2. how did he do it? And the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, face of the waters. Look at verse 3. And God said, Let there be light. Now, if you go through Genesis chapter 1 and following, and also Genesis chapter 8, you're going to see that there was a systematic um Way that God created the universe we live in so that all things could coexist now that happened because we have a planner who planned our universe we have a creator who created our universe we have a God who is transcendent of matter space and time and what I mean that God transcends matter space and time is that he is out of it. He's not a part of it. Listen, he's bigger than all of it is, for he created it. If you believe me, say amen. See, I don't know about you, but I think it takes a whole lot more faith to believe that everything came from nothing than everything came from something or what I believe to be someone. Do you understand me? Everything had to get here some way. God said he did it. Now, if he did it, I believe he did. Let me tell you something. He is outside of matter, space, and time. He's transcended of it. That means, listen to me now, he is not governed by the laws of matter, space, and time. He's the lawgiver. If he created it, he knows how to make it all coexist together. And what we see in that is what science says. Are the laws of physics, the law of gravity, a lot of other laws that we know to be true because of the order and systematic creation of the universe that we live in? Laws that govern how matter, space, and time interact. God is not governed by those laws because He created matter, space, and time. He's the lawgiver. Does this make sense to you? Now, why am I telling you this? If God can speak and the universe can come into existence, God can cause the virgin birth to take place in a town called Bethlehem. If you can get past Genesis 1-1, you'll have no problem with Luke one Amen? It's a mystery. It takes faith to trust in who God is and what God says. But even though I can't fully understand it and explain it, I know it to be true because God spoke it. How else do I know it to be true? Which brings me to my next point. I don't want you to see the mystery of the virgin birth, but I also want you to see the mission Of the virgin birth and to look at that we need to look at matthew chapter 1 matthew's account of the virgin birth listen what matthew says in matthew chapter number 1 starting in verse number 23 matthew 1 23 what was the mission what was the purpose behind the virgin birth behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name emmanuel which being interpreted Is God with us? So the mission, the purpose of the virgin birth is so that God could dwell among men. So that God could come to be a man so that he might do for men what men can't do for themselves. It's the incarnation of God in the flesh. And that's what Matthew one twenty three is telling us. It didn't just start in Matthew 23. 700 years prior to the book of Matthew The the, uh, prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 7.14 that Emmanuel would come and dwell with us. Can you say amen to that? That's just one of the Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. He fulfilled over 300 of them coming his first time. So I want you to know Jesus came in the authority of the scripture to do for us what we couldn't do. And he says he came so that God could dwell with us with man. Emmanuel, God is with us. Now, how do we know that Jesus is God? How do we know that? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, Jesus told us he was God. Have you ever been talking to somebody? I, this happened to me a few years ago. I was talking to a young man as, when we were on a mission trip, and he asked me, Um, if I believe Jesus was God and I said absolutely I believe Jesus is God he said well Jesus never claimed to be God in the scriptures if anybody ever tells you that let me tell you some folks they've never read the New Testament because over and over and over and over again Jesus made the claim to be deity Over and over and over again, about six times throughout the book of John, you're going to find where Jesus made the claim to be deity. I'm not going to go through all six with you, but I do want to give you three of them. The first one I want you to see is in John chapter number 10. Let's look there. John chapter number 10. Down to verse number 25. He said, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. Everybody say the works. Say it loud. Say the works. Let's go to the next one but you believe not because you are not of my sheep as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I've given to them eternal life that, that they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. So get the picture. Jesus said, "They, are my sheep are mine. The father gave them to me. No man can pluck them out of my father's hand because he's greater than all. And then he makes the statement in John, 10:30 that i all want you to recognize he says i and my father are one the word one there in the greek language means the same essence and so what jesus is saying is i and my heavenly father are one in the same folks if that's not a claim for deity i don't know what is and the people of that day understood it See, he was talking to the Jewish leaders according to verses 22, 23, and 24, and the penalty for someone claiming to be God under the Jewish law was stoning. Look what they did. Look what the Bible says there in verse number 32. Jesus answered them, or excuse me, verse number 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. The Jews, the Jews themselves understood full well that Jesus was claiming to be God. And we know that by their reaction to want to stone him when he claimed it. If you got it, say I got it. Then he says this. Look at verse 32. Jesus answered them, many good works have I shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? So really what Jesus is saying is, see, I'm claiming to be God and and, and, and I'm one with my Father because it's the truth and I've shown you it's the truth by the works that I do. So what Jesus is telling them and what the Bible is telling us this morning is that not only did he claim to be God, he proved he was God by what he did. Well, what did he do? All kinds of amazing stuff. How many of you know my Jesus walked on water? Can you say amen? How many of you know my Jesus spoke to the sea that was raging and it became just as still and smooth and tranquil as a farm pond? That happened in Mark chapter number 4. How many of you know my Jesus could speak to fig trees and they would wither? How many of you know my Jesus could cast out demonic spirits? How many of you know my Jesus, listen to me now, could listen raise people up from the dead? He never went to a funeral that he did not mess up. How many of you know my Jesus could not just raise others from the dead? from the dead, but he himself conquered the grave. What am I trying to tell you? Jesus did things that only God could do. He had power over the physical world in causing the fig tree to wither. In causing the sea to be stilled in walking on water. We see he had power over the natural physical world. He had power over the spiritual realm. Because demons that had possessed people while he was walking upon this earth would fall down at his feet and worship him. He had power over all demonic forces. He had power over the physical. He had power over the spiritual. He had power over sickness and disease. How many times do you see in the scripture where Jesus healed blinded eyes and deaf ears and sickness that nobody else could heal? How is all of this true? i tell you how it's true. Because he's God. He's doing things that only God can do. He's saying, look, all these works are testifying to who I am. Amen? You'll find another place in John 14. You'll find another place in John 8. You'll find another place in John 5. I'm not going to go over there too all of them this morning for lack of time, but I want you to know several times Jesus claimed throughout the Gospels, to be deity. And several times, over and over and over and over again, throughout the Gospels, he proved it by his works. Jesus made the claim. He proved the claim. But not only did Jesus make the claim that he was God. How many know God the Father? Let it be known that Jesus was the Son of God and God the Son. Look in Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4, brothers, verse number 1. Matthew chapter 4. Excuse me, chapter 3 instead of 4. Let's start with verse number 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 13. If you go back and read. In Matthew chapter 3, you're going to find that John was preaching the gospel of the coming Christ in the first part of Matthew 3 in those first 12 verses. And he was doing it at the river Jordan, then baptizing those who were trusting in what he was saying. And then in verse 13, the Bible says, Then comes Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. Why comest thou to me? And Jesus answering and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness that he suffered not. Then he suffered him, excuse me. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Now look at verse 17. I want everybody to notice this. Verse 17 is very powerful. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So please get the picture. Here you have people uh, by the hundreds, maybe by the thousands out there listening to John preach and him baptizing them in the River Jordan. And then when Jesus is baptized so that he might begin his earthly ministry, when he came up out of the water, the Bible says a voice, a booming, powerful, authoritative voice from heaven spoke to everybody there that day and said, this is my beloved son. Jesus said, he is God His works proved He is God And God the Father made the claim That Jesus is the Son of God And God the Son Are you getting me? He is Emmanuel God with us now Let me ask you something How many of y'all thankful well, He's still with us? How many of y'all thankful well, In the person of the Holy Spirit Christ lives in every believer? How many of y'all thankful well, He walks with me and talks with me a long, lost, weary way. How many of y'all are thankful? He still answers prayer. How many of y'all are thankful for Hebrews thirteen eight? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. If He can work miracles then, He can work miracles now. How many of you are thankful? Jesus is with us. That's what Christmas is all about. That's the mission. He is God with man coming to do for man what man couldn't do which brings me to point number three I want you to see the mystery of the virgin birth I want you to see the mission of the virgin birth but look at the message of the virgin birth go back to Matthew chapter 1 verse number 21 Matthew chapter 1 verse number 21 and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple That's Luke 1. Go to Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says, And she, meaning Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall what? Save his people from their sins. What is the message of the virgin birth? Jesus came to save us from our sin. Folks, listen to me. He was born to die so that we could live, so that we could truly experience the life had for each and every one of us. This is the good news. This is the gospel. I want you to understand and know he had to be God. He had to be. It was the only way. God has always required a sacrifice of blood to cover sin. Always. Starting all the way back in the garden. But the sacrifice couldn't be any sacrifice. It had to be a lamb without spot or without blemish. How many of you have ever heard that in the Bible? Hadn't you heard that all throughout the Old Testament? What was that doing? It was foreshadowing. It was pointing to the true lamb of God that would one day take away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29 The same John that we read about who baptized Jesus in Matthew chapter number 3. The Bible says in John that he sees Jesus coming, verse number 29. And he says, behold, look, put your eyes on him, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. How could he be the Lamb of God? The Lamb without spot or blemish. He was born through the virgin birth. He wasn't born through the seed of man because if he had been born through the seed of man, the sin nature of man would have passed on to Jesus. He wasn't born by the nature of man, by the seed of man, but by God himself. So when he was born, he came here perfect. He came here perfect so that he might live perfect to fulfill the righteous standard of the law of God. Then the Bible says he went to the cross And took my punishment for my sin. And he took your punishment for your sin. And the Bible says he shed his blood. For where there is no shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. And the perfect holy lamb of God. Shed his blood. So that all of us. Could be forgiven. And the sin that once separated us. From God who is holy. Can now be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb we can be reconciled to the Heavenly Father if you got it say I got it the mystery the mission God with us the message Jesus has done everything necessary for us to know God the Father And for that, I'm thankful. Everybody stand together this morning. Your invitation, excuse me. Your invitation is this. First and foremost, do you know this Jesus I speak of? I hope so. If not, you can. He's already finished the work. Now by grace through faith, you can be saved. And I would love this morning to show you what that means. Won't you come? This altar is always open. Listen, if you're here today and you know God the Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart, you know it's time for you to trust in Jesus. There's that wooing. There's that drawing. There's that tugging at your spirit. Today is a day of salvation. I want to share with you in the Word of God what it means to trust in Christ. Again, walking an aisle don't save you and being in a church don't save you, but I can share with you through God's precious, powerful word what it means to be born again. I would love to do that. This altar is open for you. You are invited. Now, if you're here this morning and you are a child of God, I wish that I could tell you. I really do. I wish I could tell you because you've placed faith in Jesus that from here on out, It's going to be hunky-dory and hallelujah. I wish I could tell you it's going to be strawberries and cream from here on out. I wish I could tell you ain't nothing bad going to happen to you. I wish I could tell you. You're never going to have troubles, trials, or tribulation, but if I told you that, I'd be lying to you. But I can tell you this. If God is able to speak and the universe itself comes into existence. What can't he do? Some of you this morning are struggling in relationships and it's the Christmas season and you're worried about it because at Christmas time you've got to deal with relationships whether you like to or not. I'm going to tell you this. God by his power can restore the years the enemy has stolen. God by his power can fix your heart and people's heart so that relationships can be restored. How about asking him to do just that? Brother Roy spoke to us this morning on the power of prayer. I'm thankful for that. Listen to me. God is listening. Ask him. What's too big for him? Oh, brothers, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's been said. You don't know what's been done. No, I don't, but he does. And what's impossible with man is possible with God. Some of you this morning are struggling physically, man. You don't, you don't know which way to turn or what to do. Things just ain't working out like it needs to physically for you. Maybe you've got a bad report at the doctor. Maybe you can't seem to get better over what's ailing you. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And if you'll come before the church and ask for prayer, God is listening for that. And God is able. Now what may be impossible with men is possible with God. Some of y'all are struggling to find the vocation, the job that you need and the job that you want. And you've been praying about it. Keep asking, keep seeking. For Jesus said, if you ask, the door uh, you, you, you'll be answered. If you seek, you'll find. And if you knock, keep knocking, the door will be open. Ask him. What may be impossible with man is possible with God. I was talking to a couple just last week. Who have been trying for a baby. And they're discouraged. And they're struggling with that. Would you join me in praying for that couple? That God would do that work. Their heart's broken over it. Oh folks. What may be impossible. With man. Is possible with God. That too is the Christmas message. Amen. If you need the Lord in any way, won't you come? I'm always, always my privilege to pray with you, pray for you, whatever I can do.